It's time for the Noble Capital Radio Hour with the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area and beyond. Featuring the Vice President of Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jess Hamill, and Financial Advisor, Jonathan Berkland. Here's your host, Walter Storholt. It's the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. It's Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland with us on the show today. You can find us online by going to ncwealth.com. And a quick reminder to you regular listeners out there, the show name is going to be changing coming up in a couple of weeks as the great team at Noble Capital makes a transition to a new show name and a new business name. Just be on the lookout for Skyline Wealth Strategies, the new business and the new show here on the radio. And uh, it's going to be the same great people, uh, same great information, and uh, same great content that you're used to, uh, just under a new umbrella. And uh, we'll talk more about that as the date approaches, but just want people to be aware I want you to be aware that the show name will be changing in the near future. So just a heads up on that. I want to talk on today's show about the three money models. It's interesting because almost everything that you can do with your money from a saving and investing standpoint falls simply, I say simple, but it falls simply into one of three different models. And we want to spend some time just kind of uh, educating you and exploring some of the pros and cons of each of these models. So the uh, 30,000 foot view here, there's the banking model the Wall Street model, and the insurance model, or, or worlds, you'll hear this described as, the worlds of money, the banking world, the Wall Street world, and the insurance world. Guys, let's take them one by one. Let's start with some of the pros and also some of the cons of being in the banking model from a saving and investing standpoint. So I think overall, money in the bank, for the most part, is fairly safe. Sure. Um, you know, we talk about losing your money safely. We're talking about inflation being ahead of the interest rate that you get in your savings account. But right. when you take that out of the equation, we're talking about risk. You know, I look at two layers of risk usually in that scenario. One, if I put some money somewhere and I'm supposed to get a return, what is the risk that I will or will not get the return? But more importantly, what's the risk that I'm not going to get my principal back in the first place? And for the most part, money in the bank is you know widely accepted as being very, very low risk as far as getting your principal back. Right. The, that's the phrase, right? Money in the bank, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, there's a sticker that's on the door of every bank you ever walked into. Your deposits are federally insured by the FDIC for up to $250,000. But that is a little bit misleading. We tend to try to live in a common sense world, and unfortunately, government bureaucracies don't typically follow common sense. So most people read that sign, and they assume if I have $300,000 in this bank and the bank goes under, I'm going to get $250,000. And if I have $200,000 in this bank and the bank goes under, I'm going to get $200,000. And they don't really think it through any further than that. They don't realize the FDIC has 10-plus years to pay you off. They don't realize that a lot of time people are settling for – 40 or 50 cents on the dollar. What that up to 250 means is that's the most you're going to get. Doesn't right. mean you're automatically going to get everything up to $250,000. Um, now, that being said, you know, people always use Bank of America as a, as a bank that people use as an example. And they're talking about banks. Well, if Bank of America failed tomorrow, what would happen? Well, if Bank of America collapsed tomorrow, we probably got some pretty significant bigger issues going on that, to worry about than just, you know, my checking account over at Bank of America. But when you're comparing those three worlds um, from, a, from a purist standpoint on safety, the bank, you know, doesn't always come out on top when it comes to what is the, the chance that I'm going to not lose my principal. And most people don't really realize that until they get a little bit of education on what the FDIC really does. Right, right. Yeah, I would say that probably has a few eyebrows raised just kind of bringing up those points. But it, it at least does seem, until you just clouded the waters there for me, Jess, I was going to say <laughs> the banking models seem pretty simple and easy to understand. But now I see that there's more there's more layers to it there. There is. You know, that's, yeah. that's uh, one of the things that I talk about in most of my second appointments. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm obviously prepping towards an answer that I want to hear. I'll ask people, you know, if you have three places to keep your money, the bank, 
or the uh, the brokerage house or the insurance company, where's the safest place, knowing that you'll get your principal back? And everybody always defaults to the bank because of the FDIC. So that's the beginning of a conversation that we have in this office quite often. So you're not saying the bank's going to go out of uh, watch out. Banks are going out of uh, no, business no, no, tomorrow, no. but just you know, disabusing the notion that. Uh, you know, there's you're going to get 100 percent of your money back 100 uh, percent of the time. There are some scenarios that could cause trouble. Exactly, and okay. like I said, that that question is loaded towards you know the ultimate conversation I'm having is about the safety of insurance companies because people don't typically think of an insurance company as a place to park money or save money or you know they're thinking of it from an insurance standpoint. So when I phrase the question, where is it going to be the safest between these three? Everybody usually defaults to the bank, and by the end of the conversation, I've got them at least looking at it a little bit differently and thinking more openly about the safety of of you know the insurance companies the biggest most conservative and oldest investment companies on the planet well let's uh let's table let's put a pin in the insurance one let's do it all right we'll come we'll come right back to it all right so banking model we've got uh you know n- no loss of principle typically uh simple and easy to understand for the most part with you know i put in x amount of dollars i get one percent return or whatever on my savings account this is what i'm going to get out of the out of the backside. so we understand some of those prawns and then the cons of course you mentioned the losing money safely, not keeping up with inflation. So then we have the Wall Street model or the Wall Street world come along. Do some of the pros there make up for what the banking model lacks? I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, risk tolerance, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's the one place that we literally sign something before we hand our money over that says, I understand I could completely lose everything and, and I'm okay with that going into it. Right, right. So as long as you're okay with that going into it, then it's certainly a place where you can utilize it to earn some gains and take those off the table to a greater extent than you're going to find in a savings account. So with the right risk tolerance, um, certainly it's, it's a great place to, to park some money, but it's also a place you could lose a lot of money. Certainly if you had a, a nice uh, portfolio there in, in 2008, I'm sure you, you took a nice hit on that portfolio. So we've certainly seen the ups and downs of that and it has its place in, in retirement and retirement planning. And uh, it's generally not the place we go to for safe and secure income. <laughs> and, and like everything else, it's all relative, right? So right. are we talking about, is this where I'm going to put all my money? Right. Or is it some part of my money that's going to go over here and something's going to go in the bank and something's going to go exactly. in insurance? So if, it's, if the question is, I'm going to put all my money in one spot, is uh, Wall Street the best place? Probably not. No, not there. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and not all of these pros and cons that we discuss here would have to be financial either. Some of them strike at those emotions that we always seem to circle back to talking about here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And that would be the stress that's involved in the Wall Street model. That causes a lot of problems for folks. Yeah, I mean, some people enjoy getting up and logging on and immediately the second the market opens, you know, looking at their stock portfolio all day, every day, back and forth, back and forth. You know, that's fun for a while especially when the market's going up. Sure, sure. Uh, but after a while, especially if the market's going down, it, start, it starts becoming stressful. I mean, it's something that you, it, it almost becomes a habit like smoking or, or, you know, something that you're used to doing once per hour throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that's, that's not, that's not a life that I'm interested right, in, right. In, in pursuing on a daily basis. And we, we've had clients come in in that situation and they're like, I just, I just want to be rid of this, you know, <laughs> essentially this weight on my shoulders. I want to hand it off to somebody else, you know, and, but I want to keep the small amount to the side that I can play with. Right. So that's kind of the compromise, you know, let, let somebody else take that stress off you, manage it for you, but maybe you have a small little play account and you can, you can win or lose and it's not going to change the game for you yeah perfect it's like you know let's say you put too much money into motorcycle parts and your wife gets upset about it so take some amount out put it in the market 
and say, okay, any any gain I get off of this can go towards motorcycle parts, and right. if I and if I don't, then I don't buy any motorcycle parts, and then you've got nothing to complain about, and we're still safe and secure on there the other side. Go. So there, there's one one use for it right there. The difference in going to Vegas with the rent money versus with just some extra spare money in your <laughs> pocket right? exactly. yeah. uh, changes your experience in Vegas, I would imagine, quite a bit. There's a third model. We alluded to it already. It's the insurance model. Let's talk about the pros and cons there. Well, that's, I mean, everybody, anybody around here that knows me knows that the insurance model is uh, my favorite of all of them for various reasons. One, the insurance companies, most of them have been around for 100 plus years. The types of investments that they're doing are very, very long term. They are, you know, they have two things that we don't have, hundreds of billions of dollars in pretty much unlimited time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these guys are investing in high grade, long term corporate bonds that are 30 plus years. So the money that's coming out of the insurance company today was, you know, invested back in the 80s. And the stuff, the old guys that are deciding where to put it right now, they're going to be dead before that money comes back out. So it's a, it's kind of like a big ship riding over the waves in the ocean instead of being on a, on a little boat. Um, but aside from that, it's the safety factor. You know, the, the 100% of all deposits re- being required to be in reserve. Um, the three levels of reinsurance, the the state fund that backs that up, that, that ironically actually is the up to $250,000 per account. To me, it's just a much safer, more stable, less stressful place to uh, to count on not having to lose your principal. Yep, and that's certainly where we start in retirement planning is, is putting some money over over in that allocation, right, to, to kind of build up the foundation in addition to your Social Security taxes, taxes, Social Security uh, pension. Uh, that would be a little better than taxes, right? Social Security pension, what else do you have there to build up that, that safe foundation? Well, the insurance world gives us a lot of different options for that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's something I've talked to my clients about. If you, uh, let's say you want to buy a new truck, so you call up the Ford dealer and you tell them, hey, I don't, I don't have time to goof around. I want to set up an appointment and come meet with a salesman. I'm going to get this truck. So they say, all right, come on in at noon and meet with Bill. So you get there a little bit early and you ask for Bill and they say, well, he's at, he's at lunch. And right about noon, you see a guy pull up in a brand new Chevy and get out, walk inside, and he comes out and says, hi, my name's Bill. I'm here to sell you a Ford. It's the best truck on the planet, all right? So <laughs> if if Ford's the best truck on the planet, why is he getting out of Chevy? <laughs> um, and if somebody in the financial industry is talking to you about insurance products and the strength of that, and they happen to have the majority of their retirement also in insurance products, and their parents have them in insurance products, and their family's got them in insurance products, that that's, tends to speak volumes, in my opinion. Interesting. So how do you guys use these three models in your planning process? When you help folks kind of put together that financial plan, you just, you're going to one model more than the others? Is it a mix of all three that you're achieving? Where do you, why do you lean on certain models here? Uh, you know, we, we typically lean on all three of them. Yep. Um, just in different proportions based on the size of the portfolio, the age of the client, and what they're trying to achieve in the end. But, I mean, for the most part, 95% of the plans put together is going to be spread across all three of those. Right, right. And I would say, you know, in terms of cash on hand, that's going to go in the bank most of the time. So that that's really probably the smallest allocation between the two um, is just go in there, you know, cash cash on hand, cash in the bank to have. And then we want the rest of that money working at a little bit higher rate than you're going to find in a savings account, ideally. Um, and it's just a matter of to what extent, what's our risk tolerance, and we kind of bridge the, the other two worlds um, accordingly. So, you know, if any of this resonates with you, if you're kind of freaking out on, on what's going on, the world's on fire, the stock market's crashing, everybody's losing their jobs, just, you know, just calm down, first of all. What I really want is to talk to you. We have historically done in-office appointments. Right now, obviously, we're going uh, the virtual route, so we can talk to you on the phone. We can do video conferencing. And by the way, I know we're on the radio, so this is reaching a larger audience. We're a local wealth management company here, but if we're going to talk to somebody on the phone or on the internet, you know, guys, if you're if you can hear us on the radio, we can talk to you through the virtual means. So just give us a call. Call the office and schedule a time to talk to me. The worst thing that can happen is you spend thirty minutes to find out that maybe we're not a good fit. But my clients are not freaking out right now. 
They're insulated from the market downturn as it relates to their income, and that's really what it's all about. We're here to generate income. If your market-based portfolio is down, I can't change that right now, but what I can do is show you how to reposition, reallocate, and shift your investment mindset to one that is more um, geared towards true retirement and generating income in retirement. So just give us a call. Give us a call, and we'll set up a time to talk and go from there. It's very easy to get in touch, of course. You can call or text 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. That puts you in touch with Jess Hamill, Jonathan Berkland, and the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management and allows you to set up time for that complimentary 30-minute call or video conference so that you can meet remotely with the team and get your financial plan in place. Again, call or text 512 512- 492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or get in touch with us through the website at ncwealth.com. Again, that's ncwealth.com. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Thanks for being with us on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here with you driving the bus today alongside Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. And you can find us online if you want to get more information about the team and find out about upcoming events by going to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. We want to spend some time on today's show talking about 401ks, obviously one of the most popular investment vehicles that are out there. Uh, but your 401k can, it can also not be perfect in many cases. Uh, it can have some weaknesses that you should be aware of. And, guys, I think we're going to throw in you know, 403Bs, TSPs, uh, 457 plans. But if there's a caveat, let us know. First complaint or weakness of a 401k might be administrative costs. Do you see this? Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the the fees that go along with it, you know, the the bigger the pool of employees, then you know, theoretically, the lower the fees go. But you're still you're still have an extra layer of fees between that and just a right, you know, right. typical IRA. So if you're at a Fortune 500 company, you might be a little better off than a mom and pop shop kind of thing. Right. Um, but uh, generally, you're you're going to be paying more in administrative fees in a 401k than if you just had a you know traditional IRA somewhere. So you're saying the smaller the company, then even even at more of a disadvantage, you might be here. Yeah, yeah they've yeah. got. I mean, they've got less weight. It's just like a, a group, uh, you know, health insurance policy. Exactly. So if there's a if there are more employees, then the administrator can charge a lower fee percentage and still put a good bit of money in his pocket because there's more people to charge that percentage across. Oh, that makes sense. So that would be why when I worked for a small company back uh, many years ago and we all were begging for a health insurance plan. They finally got a group plan for the small company, and it was way more expensive than it would have been for us to go <laughs> yes. get our own insurance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> funny how that works out. It is. It is funny. Okay. Very so same thing in the 401k realm, same kind of uh, economies of scale in play. Sure, yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah, Very cool. Uh, another common 401k complaint or weakness would be that it's a bunch of mutual funds, but not a whole lot else at your disposal. Yeah, I've seen it range from uh, just uh, a target, you know, target funds, you know, only having maybe a handful of target funds, and that's it, to uh, you know, a decent selection of maybe twenty or twenty-five mutual funds. But either way, you're you're locked into a pretty tight box there. Again, going back to the options you have in a traditional IRA somewhere versus you know in your four hundred one k, it's opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, you, you really you're kind of locked into that box and kind of have to hope that. The options you have available to you are going to perform well, and if they don't, you don't have really anywhere to go, unfortunately. Right. Your reaction time, I mean, to me, the reaction time on it is a lot 
is a, a, a significant issue for me. Yeah. Um, you know, if I've got a hmm. if I've got a traditional IRA sitting somewhere that I can just reach out and make a change when I see something then happening, um, I can react in a matter of, of minutes. Whereas with a 401k, typically you have to go through an extra layer. You have to go through an administrator before it yep, even gets to the yep. custodian um, that may or may not be available. It might have to go by email and go through your HR department. And yeah. you, know, you could yeah. see something happening, and by the time you react to it, it's already, right. it's already too late. It really depends on how sophisticated that plan is. So going back to small company versus large, you know, if you're a large company, you may, you may be able to, to trade quickly. A small one, a small plan like ours is here, <laughs> uh, you, you may have a little more problems on that point. That's a good good point. Hmm. Interesting. So again, mutual funds, not a whole lot else at your disposal in those plans. Another weakness of them. Uh, limited asset classes, I guess this kind of falls in line with that same conversation. Would that be another complaint? Yeah, yeah, I, would yeah. Say, I would say that's that's pretty much part of the same answer. Very similar, yeah. But, you know, not not very many 401ks are going to let you, you know, go do anything and everything you can do in, a, in an IRA. So just having the flexibility to really um, sit down and start planning for retirement, you know, it's a great, potentially a great accumulation tool, um, but probably not so great of one as you get close to retirement. You're looking to maybe set up some secure income, maybe with some annuities. You're looking to diversify, go into some alternatives, real estate, so on and so forth. You're pretty locked down there. There's a, a lot of asset classes, right? I mean, what is, it, is it 19 asset classes or something like that? Exactly. So they're, they're really, like I said, lock you into that small box there in your 401k and not giving you very many options. And like I said, some are better than others, but generally speaking, you're going to be, you're going to be locked into to going into those mutual funds right in the market. Yep. I've read that another complaint or uh, you know concern with 401ks is the fact that if you are looking for conservative investments, that there's kind of a, a, a lacking in terms of their availability inside of 401k plans. Jonathan's been the one to scoop yeah, all over the yeah. 401k. So I'm, I'm <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep going on my roll here. Yeah, I mean, you know, you may have access to to some bond funds. Um, it might give you a little little lower uh, risk for you there. And then you go from there right into just a, a money market sitting in cash, which is, you know, earning you nothing, which potentially may be better than you get in the market. If you have a down year, you might get lucky on that one. But um, there's really not many options down at the bottom end of that spectrum uh, from a risk standpoint that is available to you in 401ks. Um, it's generally speaking, you know, uh, growth oriented uh, mutual funds or money market um it's it can be pretty frustrating certainly as you're edging closer to retirement looking to take maybe a little risk off the table yeah and that's what i was going to add to it i mean a lot of this is still age dependent to some degree mm -hmm. you know a 25 year old um can can take those risks um he's not necessarily looking for something super conservative but if you're in a an employee situation where your employer will not allow you to do an in-service withdrawal before you separate and you're getting on up there in age and it's time to try to scale back a little bit i mean your only choice is either go with what they've got um scale back to a money market or you know or separate from the company yeah so it's pretty yep. weird and that's one i don't know if it's if it's something that uh we, we've kind of gotten written uh to us there walter or, or not in terms of people reaching out with with uh, different complaints about 401ks if that made your list or not but access is, is something to, to certainly bring up and just just did it i mean uh, as you're getting into re retirement or thinking about retirement planning you may not be able to reposition that 401k elsewhere if that's with your current employer. Um, and, and, and that can really be a, a roadblock to setting up a, a retirement plan. So it's important to note when you're putting those dollars in, those hard-earned dollars, and you're, you're planning on, on setting up a retirement plan and utilizing some of those assets, you know, can I do an in-service withdrawal to utilize those funds other than a mutual funds? You know, can I go out and purchase some annuities, purchase, you know, whatever you want to do, real estate, uh, or, or go out and put a better diversified portfolio together in the market? 
market outside of those mutual fund options that you're given there in the 401k. So that's another downside too. So if anything we've said here today uh, really hits home with you, makes you stop and think, I really encourage you to, to reach out to your local wealth management team here. Um, we're here in Austin, just like all of you, um, or Austin and the surrounding areas, and we're all in this together. And we, we certainly realize that we're going through the same uh, trials and struggles as, as everyone here. And we really feel it's important to support everyone in this community and make sure that everybody has has a plan. Um, lots of people's retirement plans definitely have changed for the worse, unfortunately, because of this. And we want to put a stop to that and, and try to turn that back around the other direction and put something together that's going to be successful for you now as well as give you success in the long term after all this passes. So I encourage you to reach out to us. We're obviously not doing seminars right now, but we are doing calls and video conferences where we can have the conversation and get you on the right tracks. So reach out today. Just schedule a 30-minute call with us where we can go over everything from income planning, tax planning, get to learn more about you, your situation, talk about all of your concerns and goals for retirement, and see if we're the right fit. And if so, we can move forward and put that plan together to provide you that long-term success that you're looking for. So please reach out today. It's very easy to get in touch, of course. You can call or text 512 512- one two four nine two three eight zero zero. That's five one two four nine two thirty eight hundred. That puts you in touch with Jess Hamill, Jonathan Berkland, and the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, and allows you to set up time for that complimentary. 30-minute call or video conference so that you can meet remotely with the team and get your financial plan in place. Again, call or text 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or get in touch with us through the website at ncwealth.com. Again, that's ncwealth.com. If you ever miss a show, don't worry. You can always catch up later with the Noble Capital Radio Hour podcast. Find it on your favorite podcasting apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Just look for the Noble Capital Radio Hour podcast or go online to ncwealth.com. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Opening up the mailbag once again here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. Questions for the Noble team from folks like you. Submit your questions online at ncwealth.com. Today's question comes to us from Norm in Georgetown. Norm says, how much, Jess and Jonathan, uh, risk is appropriate to take with my investments now that I'm retired? So that's a that's a broad stroke. Um, I look at three different types of risk in retirement. So one is, what's the risk you want to take with your income? And then a whole separate conversation after we get your income put together is what kind of a risk do you want in your portfolio that I spread into two categories. What's the risk that you won't get the return that you were looking for and what's the risk that you'll lose your principal? So there's no way to really answer that but what I will say is that after we sit down and go through putting together an income plan that is comprehensive, we have a separate conversation after that about um, the risk in the remaining part of your portfolio that you're not uh, really relying on. I'll let Jonathan kind of capitalize on that a little bit because that's, yeah. that's, that's his forte. I'm very um, happy that you're, you're concerned about the risk you're taking. That tells me you're probably taking a little bit too much risk and you know that. So it's, it's certainly uh, wise of you to come in and, and take the opportunity to sit down and really have the conversation. It's certainly not a one-size-fits-all approach. But um, the, the thing you want to do is 
is really think about those things like Jess was saying, think about your income versus, you know, the, the rest of the money, so to speak, and really put a plan together that, that speaks to you. If you want uh, lots of mailbox money coming in, um, you know, above and beyond Social Security, then let's sit down and talk about that. If you're if you're a, you know, a market player, you're really ready to take some risk, then we can certainly put a, a plan together to take advantage of that, too. So it really depends upon where your heart is and, and where you're set on that and, and how much uh, risk tolerance you have individually. But uh, props to you for thinking about it. My other takeaway from this question, guys, and this isn't to pick on Norm, but a little red flag goes up for me just from listening to you guys on this show and, and, and some of the things that we've learned about retirement and financial planning. You're asking about how much risk is appropriate, and you're already retired. And that seems like yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. Right? The, the now <laughs> that I'm retired uh, is the biggest problem I have. Yeah. yeah, sort of the, the question within the question. You want people getting that question answered when? How far out from retirement? Yeah, the sooner the better. Any any you know, forty year old, I'm happy to sit down with, but that's probably a little bit too soon unless they're trying to pull something at fifty. But anywhere from five to eight years before they actually think they'll realistically retire, up until after they're already retired, we we help a lot of people that are already retired. But ideally, I'd say five to eight years before their true retirement goal. Not saying that there isn't something that can be done for somebody in Norm's situation. You've already pulled that retirement trigger, but definitely the ideal situation is start getting a handle on that question of risk well before that time. So if you, whether you are retired already or maybe you're in that category of approaching retirement, if you don't know these types of answers to how much risk am I supposed to, how much should I be taking, what's appropriate for me, get those answers, and you can get that with the Noble Capital Wealth Management team by picking up the phone and giving a call, 512 492 3800. Find out about upcoming events in the area or schedule a time to meet one on one if you prefer that uh, to meet with Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berklin. 512 492 3800 is the number. 512 492 3800. We're also online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. I've got a question here from Joe today, guys. And uh, Joe says, Gentlemen, what an educational program. Well, thank you, Joe. We appreciate that. Uh, Joe says, I'm 63 still employed and would like to retire around 67. I do have a pension and around 200000 and a 401k. I also have a $65,000 balance in a savings account that I want to use to build a new home. I am a widower and do not have any children. Should I work till I'm older if I anticipate building that home? I've met with a representative of another financial company, and it appears that I would have sufficient amount for retirement, but I'm not totally confident. What do you guys think? A lot to unpack in that one. A lot to unpack that's in that. Yeah. Congrats that's on the pension there, yeah, Joe. Right? I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a that's a pretty broad question with um, what sounds like some specific stuff, but really not specific enough to give a definitive answer on that. Yeah, so I think we could talk about it kind of broadly, though. I mean, right. As we're entering retirement, we do have clients who are thinking about, you know, purchasing a home or building a home or, you know, paying down their mortgage and they're trying to figure out what's what's best for me. And it depends. Yeah. So, I mean, the the broad answer for the broad question, you know, building a house, do do you already have a house that you're going to sell that's going to go towards that? Right, right. Um, Is 65000 enough for the new house? Yeah, or right. like that? Are we talking about a modest three, two, you know, somewhere outlying that's an hour from, from Austin? Or are we talking about a really extravagant house here? But just looking at your question as a whole, my answer would be you're probably going to be working a little bit longer than you expected based on that. Yeah, I think it's important to really be confident in your retirement plans before building the house, right? So your 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 current advisor says you have enough for retirement, but you're not totally confident. So that, right that's there, the red that, flag, right? That yeah. gives me okay. pause, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're not confident and you haven't built the house yet, let's revisit the plan currently and and, and consider, you know, can I retire even when I want to as it currently stands? 
And if so, maybe then from there we can talk about, you know, do we build the house? And then that's where we have to factor in, is there an existing house that we're going to be able to kind of, you know, 1031 some funds on, that sort of thing, and, and put right. us in a better position where we're not paying down a half million dollar mortgage come retirement or, or whatever the situation may be. But I would get your, your current, your existing situation figured out before you even consider the house. That that would be my, my, my thing that I would really implore you to do. Um, you need to have that confidence going into retirement of your current situation before you, you really extend yourself a little bit too far. And at that point in the game, it's hard to make up for it, right? Right. But I do. I, I like the I like the things that you're asking and yep. that you're considering. So you're on the you're on the right track. You're asking the right questions. Um, but that's just kind of like saying, "Hey, I just got I got a raise. Can I afford a new car?" Yep. Um, but I'd love to sit down with you and take a look at um, some specific numbers and see what kind of house you're talking about and and go from there. So I would I would offer you to come in. Make an appointment. Let's sit down, take a look at it, and get yep. more specific to yourself. Yep. Or come out to one of our, our, our dinner uh, events where you can learn a little bit about us and what we do, how we yep. operate, a few retirement mistakes, our take on, on retirement planning as a whole, and um, maybe compare that to what you're currently doing and decide if, if we're a fit or not for you. Uh, but we'll certainly feed you and, and try to make friends yeah. with you, so would you yeah. and we can go from there. Come out and get a nice dinner and then come talk to me or just come talk to me. Yeah, yeah. whatever the preference is, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's the ways to do that, Joe. Uh, you may already have the number, 512-492-3800. Call or text if you want to set up a time to meet there, 512-492-3800. Or you can go online to ncwealth.com and find out about all the upcoming dinner events across the area. That's ncwealth.com. Uh, usually when somebody says, you know, I'm not totally confident in my financial plan or I'm not confident about retirement, I ask, you know, are you working with an advisor? And half the time the answer is no, I'm just kind of guessing or doing it on my own. It's kind of like, all right, well, there's the problem. Let's let's address that. Or right. it is, yes, I am. In, in kind of in Joe's case here, yeah, I have an advisor. And then it's like, okay, well, there's two issues here. Either you're not asking the right questions or maybe your advisor isn't asking you the right questions. Right. And, uh, and then and that kind of always gets the wheels turning in their head a little bit to go, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. It shouldn't be my job to really ask all the questions. I don't know what I need to know. Um, that's the job of the advisor is to ask the kinds of questions that people don't know that they already need to know. I'm sure you guys run into that all the time when you're meeting with folks in the office where you ask them something, and I never thought of that, you know, or, boy, I haven't considered that angle, or uh, I didn't even know that that would be a factor. Do you ever get kind of that surprise when you start bringing things up? Yeah, and, I mean, sometimes I'm just looking at somebody going, really? You never <laughs> you never thought to answer that question or ask that question? But it's uh, I like that somebody is saying I'm not confident, therefore I'm looking for some more answers because I, I see too many people that they're not confident but they hear what they want to hear. Yep. Therefore, they move forward based on that, and they find themselves in a pickle somewhere down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. Props to Joe for not just taking the advisor's advice. It, it might be perfectly sound advice, right? But if you have that little spot that in the back of your brain saying, I don't feel great about it, then maybe seek out a second opinion, right? It, it's It has to be your confidence in retirement. And usually what we see if somebody doesn't have confidence is they, they don't have a plan. They don't have an income plan. It's just... Um, a loose assumption based on you know some some market assumption combined with some you know p p pension income kind of thing and we're gonna cross our fingers and hope for the best and and make sure we don't we don't die too too late right it doesn't run out it's a little bit morbid there but you know that's that's the reality <laughs> <laughs> 
sometimes the uh, the truth hurts, and uh, that's a good example of it there. But uh, I think you guys are right. Your point is made that Joe is doing the right things by recognizing there's some uh, you know deficiency in the plan that's leading to some you know shaky shaky legs, uh, some some lack of confidence, and that yep. should be kind of a trigger to get a second opinion. And uh, again, if you want to get that second opinion, Joe, or maybe you're in a different situation from Joe, but similarly. Uh, need some confidence with your plan, give a call, 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800 or online at ncwealth.com. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hey, everybody, it's Jess Hamill with Noble Capital. This coronavirus pandemic has sent the stock market into a tailspin. If you're unsure how to respond to the financial uncertainty we're facing, please reach out to me for a complimentary review. My clients aren't panicking about their money. One of the greatest benefits about working with us is that we put together a plan, not a portfolio. And that plan is put together with fail-safes and contingencies for just such market occasions. Give us a call today to schedule a 30-minute meeting with me, either by phone or video conference. And let me show you why our clients are largely unaffected by this market downturn. I'd love to hear from you, so call or text us at 512-492-3800. That's 512 512- 492-3800 or online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Call us now to schedule a 30-minute consultation either by phone or by video conference. Call or text us at 512-492-3800. And remember, just stay calm, use your head, and stay healthy. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Thanks for being with us today. Walter Storholt alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berklin, the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management. Jonathan is an advisor on the team and uh, Jess, the vice president of Noble Capital Wealth Management. Great team here in the Austin area that you can reach out to if you've got any questions about your own financial plan or situation. ncwealth.com is the place to go to find out about upcoming events and to get in touch online. That's ncwealth.com. Or give a call or text to 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Guys, I want to talk a little bit about longevity. You know, longevity is supposed to be a good thing, but it brings with it some problems when we're trying to plan financially. The last I checked, uh, the death rate for human beings is still hovering around 100%. But <laughs> but lifespans are continuing to indeed increase. Before we get into all the conversations about uh, the problems of longevity, let's start with a positive note. How old is your oldest client? Yeah, we don't really have any like really, really, really elderly clients, actually. I mean, unless okay. you consider that really, really elderly, right? I mean, well, like to, to Walter's point, I mean, it, I don't know, it's a, it's a perspective thing, but um, going, right. yeah, exactly. But that's that's getting up there. I mean, that's that's a good long life, certainly if you're still going, right? I mean, Dude, I'll mm-hmm. still be riding wheelies at 85. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> easily. But you know, mid 80s, yeah, uh, certainly. Well, I think that just that under it just may be that you guys don't have anybody who's in the you know 90s and hundreds yet, but you're seeing that uh, those who are are in their 80s indeed or maybe living a more active life than you would have ever imagined it's oh unbelievable and my clients when they get their 80s or 90s they're going to be set man. Be yeah set. yeah and usually i mean they're sharp as a tack generally speaking when they come in i mean it's it's they're, they're telling us what's going on not yeah. the other way around <laughs> exactly <laughs> it, it amazes me i've seen i see 
sharper 85 year olds than i do 65 year olds a lot of time interesting it's amazing to me yeah that's very cool well i think that you know back to the financial side of this equation talking about longevity you know some companies are investing millions of dollars into the concept of significantly increasing the human lifespan, all sorts of different inventions and goals that these uh, companies have. So is longevity clearly, you know, it's a coveted thing, right? Then why do we talk about longevity as a risk so much? I mean, it's, it's the one thing you want more than anything is your biggest enemy. You know, if you figure your average person probably works, what, 50-ish or so years of their professional career, and then if they live... 30 years after that, we're talking about more than half of the time you spent working, you're going to spend not working and consuming and inflation eating that up. So, right. And you, you don't know, know when it's going to happen. That's the other. Yeah, exactly. Right? How do you plan you, for you it? Know. So, you know, the one thing we all want, the longevity is, is probably our, our biggest enemy. If we're going to live another 40 years after we stop actually earning a paycheck, that's a lot of, a lot of planning that we got to, we got to figure out. Yep. Yep. That's probably the biggest unknown in retirement planning. And really the, the one thing that, that we can't really solve for you because we don't we don't know either. But we can look at family history and make an educated guess and so on and so forth. But we we have to run with an assumption on how long are we going to live, and then we can put together a plan that'll take you there and then some, just in case. Yeah, with a with a big uh, stress on the end then some. Right, so right. You don't you wanna, don't know. You don't want to make an assumption and plan for that. That's the one way to guarantee you're going to live Exactly, exactly. So the end then some is extremely important. Well, how effectively have people planned for longevity and the financial challenges that come along with that when they come in to meet with you for the first time? Have have most people figured it out, or is it pretty much the biggest deficiency you see? No, that's 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 probably the biggest deficiency we see yeah. right there. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody comes in and want to try. They're they're still typically under the old. As long as you just spend four percent of your portfolio, it'll last forever. Um, they're still using kind of your grandfather's rules back there. Yeah. But they're they're not they're not they're not planning for longevity. They're just uh, you know hoping for the best. And it amazes me how many people, if you just did the fundamental math, take uh, inflation out of it completely. And look at their spending rate versus what they've got sitting in the bank, and assume that they didn't lose anything in a 2000 or 2008. I mean, you know, they got to die in like nine years. They got a big problem, right? Right. Um, and they come through the door wanting us to solve that. And for the most part, we can put a pretty big dent in it. But you've got to be realistic coming in the door. People who have just there was the old saying that people don't fail to they don't plan to fail. They just fail to plan. Yes. Um, people that just keep rocking along. You know, all of a sudden they're retired now. And they're living just like when they were still working. Um, they're they're not even doing the fundamental math to see that they're going to run out of money. So, yeah. the best way to deal with that is to at least lock down your your needs, your necessities. You know the the things that you need to get by. Maybe not you know vacations and hobbies and stuff like that. Although we do include that in our entire plan. But if you're just going to worry about am I going to completely run out of money or not because of the, the poor planning that I've done, at least lock that down in something that's going to last forever. Annuities is one good example. Something that lasts for an entire lifetime. Yeah, but I think it's important taking longevity into, into consideration. Uh, just because that longevity exists doesn't necessarily mean uh, that you're not going to run into metal, medical issues at some point or another down the road. So uh, to, to, to Jess's point where he likes to talk about having an income plan that also uh, allows you to uh, be prepared for that moment where you do need some some assisted living or, or Medicare or medical needs down the road, you know, putting together a plan that, that takes that into consideration and then some is hugely important as we think about longevity because we're not sure how far down the road that's going to happen. And as inflation creeps up on us, those costs keep going up and over time. You know, the one thing everybody always misses and I always bring it back up, especially when we talk about risk, what's your biggest risk? It's not the stock market, it's, it's tax laws. Yeah. Um, so not only pair for longevity because there's longer we're going to be here, there's more chance of medical issues going forward. But 
every group of four years that I'm around is one more chance that all of a sudden my tax rates are going to double going forward. So no matter how well you plan, if you don't plan for the tax portion of it too, the longer you live, the bigger exposure you've got to um, a significant change in tax laws that are going to make a big impact on your income. Yeah, yeah. So you may be okay today without a plan, but for the long term, you're, you're kind of going to be out of luck. So yeah. it's important to consider your future self and, and put together a plan today for that time. Exactly. Longevity, always such an important piece of the puzzle to discuss with an advisor. And that's why we're talking about it here today on the Noble Capital Radio Hour with Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill of Noble Capital Wealth Management here in the Austin area. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for being with us. Guys, uh, to wrap up this conversation, maybe to put a, a, a bow on it, if you will, can you dig into the, the memory bank? or into the uh, the story bank and tell us a little bit about maybe somebody who came in to meet with you primarily because they were afraid of this conversation. They were afraid of longevity and of running out of money and what you did to help them. Not not so much uh, a story about someone who's who's necessarily worried about it, but but that it's it's a reality, right? That that they have longevity in the family. So one that they're concerned it's going to happen, but they they know it's it's actually going to happen, and they're already pretty far along in that direction. So we kind of hit this person at at a midpoint. Um, we'll call him Tom. Tom came in worried, saying, "Hey, you know, my mom lived till ninety, dad lived till ninety two, and I'm doing pretty good sitting here at seventy three. So I'm thinking I'm going to need to make my nest egg, which isn't as big as I'd like it to be, last a little bit longer." Than, than the average person. So there is a little bit of, of conversation around, okay, what, what's our budget like? How much are you spending? How much of this can we can we now shift over into a little bit more of an accumulation because we now have a much longer time span that we're looking at the investing across. And so it really, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about um, putting together a plan for this particular 73-year-old with a little bit longer time horizon than we normally would. So it, it's kind of like uh, starting from square one back at the beginning of retirement. We're just somehow halfway through it, right? We know our, we know our, our known our social security, our pension, and we're just uh, stretching those out across uh, longer time horizons and, and trying to, you know, foresee those medical expenses that we talked about and, and counting on those things to happen down the road. This is also a single person, so we have to take into, into mind that there's not necessarily somebody else there to take care of them. Um, and, and living that long, you may not have anybody else around to take care of you either. So, you know, nursing home costs, those sorts of things are things we want to work into the plan and, and just. Uh, plan for. It's as simple as that. Setting aside the money, making the smart investments, and putting down on paper that you plan to, to live out that long forces you to figure out how to make it happen. And that's exactly what we did. So my memory is, uh, is probably not as much aligned with what people would automatically think from the question. But one person that comes to mind who actually has become a really good friend of mine was a, a lady that retired in her very early 50s. I think she was 51, 52. Had done very well. But she, longevity is, was her biggest enemy because she had, I don't know, just under $2 million, which for my generation, that's, that was a lot of money. That was, you know, you should easily be able to retire on that. But when you count in the fact that she's missing out on, on average, 15 years of income while now spending for 15 years with incomes not coming in, plus she's super healthy, lives a great healthy lifestyle. And, and, you know, from a genetic standpoint, she should live well into her late nineties. That was the biggest challenge for me. And we were able to just barely pull it off. You would think with a couple of million dollars leading a conservative lifestyle with a life partner who is also still working um, with a quite a bit of income that it should not be that difficult, but it was, it was quite a chore to plan it out for her. But we got it done. She's very happy, very satisfied client, very good friend. Um, that was probably my biggest challenge when it comes to longevity here at this desk. So I just want to take a couple of minutes here to talk about how this is impacting us as well as everybody else. You know, I mean, we, we're not doing seminars anymore. No, that's, no. That's weird. That's what really, a change, yeah. Um, you know, kind of our long-term goal, our five to seven year plan was to 
not do so many seminars and rely on other means of, of getting in front of people. And so we've had our five-year plan accelerated to a two-week plan. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah. but it's okay. You know, I mean, that, that's what smart businesses are rolling with us and looking out for our clients. And I mean, that's, that's, that's what we have to do. Um, it's not going to do anybody any good if we just put our head down and say, you know, what do we do? Exactly. So, you know, we're here for, for everybody, existing clients, and also those people out there who, whose plans have changed and suddenly need help, or maybe they didn't think they did before. The reality is, as a result of this and, and changing how we react to it, it really frees up some more time for us to be able to meet with more people, maybe spend some more time with those people. Possibly, if you're working from home, frees up some time for you to actually deal with your retirement. I mean, let's, yeah. let's take advantage of a bad situation and try to at least get some good out of it. Right. So if you're sitting there working from home, maybe you have a, a lunch break and all you can do is think about, my gosh, what's the market doing? What, what happens to my retirement? Um, utilize that time. Don't sit there and and worry about it, you know, set up a call with us. That's what we're doing right now. You can reach us either by normal phone call or, or video call um, and, and just have a 30 minute consultation with us just to get to know us and connect and, and figure out what's going on and, and what do I need to do. We're local. We're, we're tried and true. Keep Austin weird. We're right here in the middle of local Austin, um, which has to some degree limited our ability to deal effectively with people that aren't here local. I mean, nobody wants to drive traditionally. Yeah, traditionally. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with this new world we're coming into and the new model that we're setting up just to be able to function and deal with people locally, that opens it up for, you know, people everywhere. So if you can hear this on the radio, we can help you. We can talk to you. We can do anything um, by video conference that we could previously do here in the office. We've got electronic applications for everything. We've got e-signatures. Uh, you know, we've kind of stopped the machine and figured out how to do this without having to sit in front of somebody and we've got it figured out yep we're ready to go so absolutely reach out to us we want to help you um and really put a plan together now now more than ever uh to set you up for long-term retirement success so we're here for you please do reach out to us it's very easy to get in touch of course you can call or text 512-492-3800 that's 512-492-3800 that puts you in touch with Jess Hamill, Jonathan Berkland, and the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management and allows you to set up time for that complimentary 30-minute call or video conference so that you can meet remotely with the team and get your financial plan in place. Again, call or text 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or get in touch with us through the website at ncwealth. Com. Again, that's ncwealth.com. And that's all the time that we have for on this week's show. For Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, I'm Walter Storholt. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next time back here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. All opinions and information expressed by the speakers on this show are solely the opinions of those speakers and not those of Noble Capital or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. All opinions are based on information the speakers consider reliable. Opinions and information are provided as is for educational purposes only, cannot be guaranteed or warranted, may change without notice, and may not be corrected or updated. Opinions and information should not be construed as an inducement to invest, an offer to buy or sell securities, nor as legal tax or investment advice, nor do they take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and are therefore not necessarily intended as recommendations suitable for you. You must make an independent decision 
position regarding investments and strategies mentioned on this program. Neither the speakers, Noble Capital, or their affiliates guarantee any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all investments involve inherent risk of total loss. Strategies and investments fluctuate in price and value, and investors may get back less than they invested. You should seek advice from independent financial investment and legal counsel before making any financial or investment decisions. Transmission of information through this program is not intended and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you and Noble Capital. Information provided on this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. The provision of such information does not imply responsibility for or an endorsement of any third-party information, opinion, recommendation, or investment product. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is prohibited without the prior written consent of Noble Capital.